Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hey. Happy Halloween. It's Halloween weekend. I can't believe it's here already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just well, a... We've got plans by to go so to quickly. a craft show. <laughs> so oh, so yeah, that yeah, should yeah, be well, fun. I had plans for lots of stuff. It looks like I'm not doing anything. So we'll see. Oh, I'm going to try to go to mm-hmm. a porn maze, I think. Yeah. Um, but everything kind of got thrown off the rails this year. I don't know. And then I've been watching reports on television that there's people going around vandalizing people's display decorations and uh-huh. that kind of a thing. If that happened here, that, that would be the end of the problem. And I'll just leave it at that. Although I would do anything that <laughs> I did would be legal, but I would certainly know my rights. Oh, that would upset me. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's so, but not in a, any event, on a much more positive <laughs> topic, it is Halloween weekend. There's some things going on around the area here in Oregon. Uh, the city of Sherwood from three to six is doing a thing for the kids. It's free. Go Just ahead. go ahead and show up in uh, candy and all the rest of that type of thing in the city plaza. Um, like I said, I'm thinking about maybe going to a corn maze. We'll see what that is. Although uh, those type of things, just be prepared. Like everything else, it's more expensive this year, but it looks like there's some pretty good ones. So we'll cool. see what happens. You guys said you're going to a craft fair? Yeah, um, it's part of, because uh, we're still stuck in Nevada, it's part of the Nevada Day celebration. So, and so Nevada has uh, our Nevada Day and Halloween kind of mixed together because actually Nevada Day is the 31st. So, you know what we should do a little later in this show, since we really don't have anything new just yet to report on us. Let's talk about what we've done in some of the past years. We'll do that a little bit, a little bit later on here. So, and to that end, we actually have a great guest coming up and I will wait for the introduction until we get to the segment, but we are going to be talking about wearable smart clothing. Kind of a cool topic. Anyway, yeah. so got a good show for you this week, and with no further ado, let's see what's in the news. Well, apparently postage stamps are going up again. Yeah, 63 cents. It's going up, I believe, in January, the end of January. <sighs> wow. Uh, if you want to hedge this a little bit, I mean, it doesn't save a whole lot, but it's at least get you a little ahead of the game is get the forever stamps before that happens. Uh, I don't know. I'm just getting to a point. I used to send holiday cards every year. I, I'm going to do some this year, but I'm kind of pulling back on it just because the cost of this stuff has gone up so much. When I first yeah. did that, it was about 20 cents a card with uh, everything and then the postage. So that put it at about 50 cents. Now that same card's almost two bucks. And when you were thinking that I was sending out a hundred cards every year, that kind of adds up. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that way, but yeah, it's just, and it's not just stamps. Some other things are going up as well and you can check out the post office website, but like everybody else, they've got to cover their expenses. So it's to be expected. Hmm. Company that makes rent setting software for landlords is sued for collusion. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting story because this is something that is out there. And I don't think a lot of people realize quite how all of these things work. But I remember dealing with this and asking questions that they didn't want to answer Hmm. a little bit back when I was running an apartment a number of years ago. And what happens is is like hotels, there's a piece of software that usually runs these bigger complexes that the amount that you're charged in rent is based on what it decides to charge you based on market conditions, the number of units available. So if there's less units available, it'll push up the price. If the market does, it'll push up the price. Uh, It seems like everything's about pushing up the price. The other thing that it did that was really weird is if I would say, okay, I like this apartment and um, 
today is August 1st, and I'm going to move in on September 1st, it would actually bump up my rent for my lease to cover the 30 days in between and not tell me about it. So um, these type of things are annoying to say the least, but this takes it a step further in that this company, which provides the software to a number of different large complexes, is evidently accused of colluding with them to be able to push the prices up beyond market rent by handling it for all the complexes put together and using an algorithm to do that. Now, we all know right now rents are just out of control, to put it mildly. Yes. And it, yeah, where it's you guys insane. Are, it's even worse than here. I mean, if you yep. wanted to go and rent an apartment, you'd be spending three grand a month for anything decent, I think. Yeah, yes. exactly. And, I mean, for something credit, you're going to pay 2000 Yeah. And it just, you know, that kind of a thing. So to make it even worse, I, I, if this is in fact what's happening, I, I do hope they go get them. Although I don't voice opinions in the news. No. <laughs> Study says plastic recycling, a failed concept. With only 5% recycled in U.S. last year as production rises. So in other words, they're making more virgin plastic, or in other words, non-recycled plastic and recycling less. We topped out at about 10% before the pandemic, and it's come back down. Now, one of the other things that's interesting to know about with this is this whole deal with recycling on plastic. It's really only the one and the two. So there's a recycle logo on most of your plastic with a number in the middle of it. One and two are the ones that are most likely to be recycled. Mm -hmm. The others, not so much. Even though they say they're recyclable, they're not. And unless the facilities are there for them and that type of thing. So I guess technically speaking, it's possible, but it's very unlikely. Okay, so I have a really dumb question. Hmm. Why are they using the other numbered plastics? Well, they do different things. So like your containers, like your pop bottles and that kind of thing are a one or a two. Now, here in Oregon, we have the bottle bill. So we do have a much higher level of recycling on that. It does seem to work. But the other things are, is it has to do with the type of plastic that it's made out of. In other words, the ingredients that are in it, the process, and what would have to be done to actually recycle it. And in most cases, these other kinds of plastics just don't have the ability, they they don't have the resources to be able to do it, or the machinery, or the facilities, that kind of a thing. So strictly speaking, yeah, it is possible, probably, that it could be recycled. It's just very unlikely that it would be. And this is one of the things where you have to watch like containers, like there's a, a product on the market. Uh, yogurt containers are like this. Um, just add an egg or crack an egg or something is the name of it. And when you look in there, there's so much waste mm-hmm. from containers and different things. And I won't use the product because of it. Another one was my windshield wipers. I noticed that this year. I like the brand I get, but for two windshield wipers, the waste generator was more than three times that of the windshield wipers in the brackets that I put onto the car. So, you know, and it can't be recycled. And in some jurisdictions, not all, if you do what they call wishful recycling and put a non-recyclable kind of plastic in your recycle bin, they throw the entire bin out, including the stuff that can be recycled. And that's stupid. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's a huge problem. And it's something that's going to have to be addressed because all this stuff is getting thrown in the landfills and it doesn't break down you know, to anything clean and it leaches into the environment and causes all kinds of problems. So once again, I'm asking, why are they not using ones and two plastic exclusively? Presumably because it doesn't work for these other things. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) Tesla confirms plans to build lithium refinery in Texas. Yeah, this is something that they're doing to help to get a little bit more control on the supply chain of all of this, <laughs> which is probably a really good idea, being that almost all of our higher-end batteries right now run on lithium. 
Mm-hmm. And they're going to confirm that they're building this this new refinery in Texas, as the headline said. I do think going down the road here, we're seeing some new concepts for doing high energy batteries. So hopefully lithium won't be the only player in town for too much longer. Study says video games could improve kids' brains. Yeah, really? you know, when I uh, saw this, the first <laughs> question that we got asked was, oh, is that study done by the video game industry? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. What I was kind of wondering. <laughs> and I did check that out. It actually wasn't. It's something that's uh, been published in a journal that is, uh, you know, considered credible and all of that. But it actually is showing that uh, while playing video games too much certainly can cause eye problems and the lack of exercise, it does help to deal with sometimes brain function, cognitive function, reaction time, and all that kind of stuff. So it does seem like there's a positive end to this. So video games are not necessarily completely evil, as some people think. Yay. A single chip has managed to transfer the entire Internet's traffic in a single second. Yeah, so I keep hearing all this that, you know, Moore's Law is dead and we can't deal with this. Moore's Law is the law from the scientists from Intel from a long time ago that says that every year the number of uh, capability of a chip doubles, basically. And to that, I have to say something that I shouldn't say on the air because it seems like it keeps being held true. And this, again, is showing that they have a test here where it's a silicon-based chip, and the chip was able to transfer 1.84 petabytes over a fiber cable in one second. That's about the world's internet traffic in a second, which could be held by one chip. There are some other systems out there that are capable of doing a little bit more, but this one is much, much smaller. You don't have the bulk less energy consumption, all that kind of stuff. So it works well. After complaints, Volkswagen will ditch uh, capacitive capacitive steering wheel controls. Yeah, I know that's a weird word. And that basically <laughs> means it's like a touch screen. Although in this case, it's not a screen, but it's still a touch thing. Uh-huh. So you can accidentally bump into a button and have it do something and <laughs> not uh, expect it. I know that some of this stuff has to do with money. It is actually cheaper to produce a touchscreen than they have physical buttons. So that's why we're seeing a lot of that change and, you know, going in a direction where these uh, type of things are trying to be adopted as the norm, but it does not work well on a steering wheel. And other companies like BMW are experimenting with it too. Volkswagen's ditching it because they didn't like it. This is user-friendly 2.0. Don't go away. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now is our guest, David Vagano, who's the CEO and co-founder of Sensoria Health. Hopefully I said all that correctly. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. My name is Davide, but that's okay. <laughs> Davide, I apologize. I asked you your last name before we started. I didn't ask you your first name. <laughs> I apologize. Well, there we are. Um, so let's go ahead and dive right in here. Your company makes, it looks like, wearable health products. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Um, so Sensoria is a company that uh, we created uh, to solve and uh, really address uh, a major need that is still unmet uh, right now in, uh, in the industry of, uh, let's say, medical devices. Um, you know, we all wake up in the morning, we take a shower, we put our clothes on, and uh, we think that it would be extremely advantageous to most of us, primarily the aging population, to basically use and wear uh, textile sensing technology 
into whatever we decide to wear. Uh, that could be socks, shoes, uh, t-shirts, um, and, uh, and other, other devices that can collect, uh, biometric data from the human body. And then we can share, if we decide to, of course, we can share that data with someone that we trust. And that can be a caregiver a nurse, a clinician of any, any kind so that we can get a second opinion on that data and hopefully improve our health. So what are some of the devices that you're making now? Uh, oh, we have some really cool, uh, very innovative dev- devices that we've been able to bring to market. Probably one of the most, uh, the most innovative and fun ones are our smart socks. Uh, you know, socks are not known known to be smart, and uh, they get abused all the time. And so, uh, we decided to actually uh, infuse uh, the textile sensors that we created. Those are pressure sensors um, at the bottom, at the plantar area uh, of the foot, and then we connected a small chip, a small microelectronic device to those sensors, and uh, those sensors in combinations with each other can provide very meaningful data like uh, how do we walk and how well do we balance uh, ourselves and uh, what is the risk of falls, uh, as an example. Uh, So that can be very, very personal very quickly to many of us, unfortunately. Well, absolutely. A lot of us have had that happen. I know we we were talking about that before we started recording. And uh, I know I've had relatives, and you said you had two that have had this. And I mean, this stuff sounds absolutely amazing, but from that standpoint, it could also be life-saving. And, you know, so there is a certain additional range that that goes from that. So if you have a pair of smart socks, now I'm curious, I think I'm going to try these out just for figuring out, I've never heard of something like this before. So <laughs> to see, see what it does, we have a chip within the fabric and the fabric has the sensors. Now, do you charge these like you would your phone every day? And, and how does all of that work and, and how do you interface with it? So yeah, this is one of our smart socks. I'm not sure if your listeners will be able to to see them on our website, but uh, but uh, yeah. So we have a small button at the ankle bone level, this black button that you see here, and then you actually see that the, the sock is very soft, feels absolutely normal. It's washable, but at the bottom of the foot, we have these black patches uh, that are again 100% textile that can collect data from the from the plantar area of the foot. So uh, unlike other devices that can hopefully at least detect a fall when that happens, what we're trying to work on is not only the fall detection, but the fall prediction. So what happens five minutes, 30 seconds, five seconds before a fall? Can we use machine learning and artificial intelligence to recognize those patterns and, and hopefully alert uh, the user uh, to use a walker or to sit down uh, before a fall event? So how does it how does it connect to the user? Is it a phone app, or do you have some kind of a right. do you need to be a cyborg? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but yeah. Not yet. Okay, hey, you know that's next, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, for Parkinson's patients, as an example, we are developing a mobile app on a smartwatch because, of course, Parkinson's uh, patients, of course, uh, uh, have issues with. Uh, you know, tremor. And so using a smartphone is, uh, is, is challenging for them. So by just simply tapping on a smartwatch, we can actually interface uh, and uh, collect data without using a smartphone uh, from the socks in, uh, in real time. 
we, have, we are partnering with the Michael J. Fox Foundation uh, on a clinical trial on Parkinson's patients in Australia, thanks to our collaboration with Neura. Neura is uh, one of the top uh, uh, rehab uh, research uh, institutions uh, in, uh, in, southern, in, south, in Southern Asia and, uh, and Australia combined. And, uh, and uh, we're actually learning a lot about uh, the propensity of uh, even the aging patients to actually use this technology. They absolutely love it. Uh, they absolutely love to use technology. They love the fact that even remotely, someone can take a look at the data and, and, uh, and uh, potentially this data could uh, help inform uh, therapeutic decisions. Uh, so, you know, a clinician could actually use this type of uh, uh, human locomotion gate, it's called gate science data, to inform a decision that uh, leads to a therapeutic decision. So should I prescribe uh, a specific pharmaceutical? How much should I prescribe and how often should I prescribe? Right? So with these uh, uh, diseases that tend to, to have an evolution uh, uh, in different phases, of course, uh, those decisions change. And uh, gate data can be one of the top indicators that can actually inform those therapeutic decisions. So it's pretty exciting, actually. And I know looking at your offerings, it doesn't look like this is just for adults. What's Sensoria Baby? <laughs> Sensoria <laughs> Baby is actually at, at the opposite <laughs> side of the spectrum. Uh, it's actually for newborn babies, and it's actually, uh, unlike the SOC, which is available now, it's still a prototype. Uh, we're working with the University of uh, Boise in Idaho and their, uh, and their labs to uh, validate a, a smart onesie. So it's like a, a, ba- a bodysuit for uh, newborn babies up to three, six uh, months, potentially even 12 months old uh, babies. And uh, we are using textile sensors to monitor respiration rate. Uh, position of the baby in the crib, but also external pressure on the baby's body. So uh, parents should not sleep with their babies. But, you know, when all of us <laughs> uh, were exhausted when we had babies, uh, it happens, right? So, uh, and that's not a good thing because just rolling uh, during sleep uh, on onto the baby's body it can, of course, lead to pretty dramatic, uh, or even tragic, uh, uh, events. Well, I was going to say, I mean, crib death and all that, it seems like this could maybe even be able to yeah. deal with that. So do you need a doctor to prescribe your products or do you just go somewhere to order them? And if so, how do you get a hold of them? Yeah, no, if you, I mean, if you, we have different products for different type of usage scenarios. So, uh, for runners, we have a, uh, uh, website It's called sensoriafitness.com. Uh, for healthcare scenarios and health-related scenarios, we have another uh, website called sensoriahealth.com. So really, depending on uh, what you need, you can actually use this technology to do different things. For developers, we have another website called sensoria.io. Uh, All right, so is- I'm, I'm going to stop you here for just a minute. We're going to go into our next segment because there's still more to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. One User-Friendly on Facebook or Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com are the places to go. 
Before the break, we were talking about wearable smart technology. And when we had to go to break, we were talking about a developer's kit. So let's go ahead and pick it back up with that. What is the developer's kit? Okay, so, I mean, uh, ease of use, as uh, the title of the show implies, matters a lot, right? So uh, what, we, what we have done is basically package a set of modular components for developers to actually create their own solutions. We recognize that uh, textile sensing, smart garments, and wearables can be used for multiple user scenarios, and we're not going to be able to address them all. So we have an ecosystem of partners that actually help us develop those applications because they need to be specific and precise for each one of these usage scenarios. Let me give you one example. We have a a solution that is focused on diabetes and food-related complications for diabetes. We didn't know that, you know, that was a problem of epidemic proportions, right? There is a there is an amputation every 20 seconds in the world just due to diabetes. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I did not know that. And, you know, life expectancy of a patient after an amputation is the same as, is, as, same as the worst type of cancer is, is five years. Um, so uh, Defender, uh, former Nike designers, came to us and they said, we'd like to design a protective uh, piece of footwear, a, a boot <laughs> that can protect uh, people that have an ulceration. And again, there is no amputation without an ulceration in diabetes, right? So, and we said, and they asked us, can we use your technology to monitor adherence, compliance of the user and the patient, but also activity of the patient? Um, uh, we leveraging the sensorial technology. And we said, absolutely yes. So, uh, we now have available a, a, a protective, uh, shoe <laughs> looks uh, looks actually very cool and again hopefully you can share with uh, with your listeners uh, a video but this this is what uh, the defender looks like it looks looks great so people are not intimidated and they you know they want to they want to use it because they like it uh, it looks right. yeah it doesn't have that weird clinic it almost might right. be like a snow boot or something right. exactly. what I would think uh, of. Yeah, yeah it looks like a, a an apresky uh, boot <laughs> right after right. ski boot uh, but the cool thing is that when I actually connect our electronics to it, it starts feeding data to a specific, again, mobile application, either on a smartphone or a smartwatch, that can provide meaningful data to the user, um, uh, constructive feedback, but also you know positive reinforcement, uh, but also provides the same data to the clinician as well. So if there is a need for an escalation of care, uh, the the clinician can help. Now that that sounds absolutely amazing. Being able to log this stuff and put it together. All right. So I think this is absolutely amazing to be honest. And I think this is something that is really going to have a lot of directions to go. And you've already talked about Nike coming in. Are you finding that you're having a lot of outside interest? I would think you would. Yeah, this is a very new, very novel uh, and nascent uh, market, right? But uh, but yes, I think, uh, you know, very much like our cars are becoming connected to the internet. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to connect our body uh, to the internet so that we we have some type of diagnostic information? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> not, not, ju- not just about a battery of our car, but, you know, our our own body uh, in, in our own selfish interest, right? So if we can use predictive analytics uh, to to... To, to address a problem before that happens, think about a stroke or a fall. Think about the, the risk of amputation. Those are, those are tragic events uh, that uh, we hope we can help in at least in a small percentage to contribute to 
avoid or at least address before it's too late. So that's what we do. Yeah, like, like I say, absolutely amazing. All right, so we've got about a minute left here. How did you come up with this idea? <laughs> so we're former Microsoft, and we, you know, we worked for Microsoft. Both my partner and I. He was in the Xbox group, and uh, right. I was I was in the healthcare solutions group. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were having pizza together. We're from Italy. And uh, we looked at each other and we said, well, you know, computers and medical devices are still, for, even for gaming, but also for, for medical use, they're bulky and they're embarrassing. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're perceived as a stigma, right? People don't want to be seen wearing them. Um, wouldn't it be nice to come out with what we call the transparent computing devices, right? So, the computer exists. It's 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 in my shoes, <laughs> or right. on my. I'm wearing it under my shirt, but it's invisible to the human eye. So, from a user perspective, it's elegant and powerful, and yet invisible. Right. So that's that's yeah, a- that, that's absolutely amazing. I'm hoping we can have you back. We're going to get a lot of questions on this <laughs> and a lot of interest. I know right off the top of my head, this is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Have you seen Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Well, even though we might not be able to do a lot this year, and I'm going to see if we can make up for it next year for Halloween, we have had some fun in the past. So I think right now let's talk about a look back and see what we've enjoyed doing. So Jeremy and Gretchen, I'll let you take that away. Okay. Um, We have experienced a uh, comic convention that ran for three days, uh, and it ran over Halloween. So that oh, was part of the fun part. That one was fun. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. they also had a thing where they would run stuff all night long. Yeah. So it started on Friday, ran all through Friday night where they had they had stuff pro- planned and programmed. And then Saturday morning it ran and then they had stuff going all Saturday night into Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. over Halloween. So it was all kinds of cool stuff going on. That, and that was the, the one that was based on a more of a kid-friendly mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that one. Um, no, that was always a good show. I think you're talking now, about Snafu. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, we are talking about Snafu. Yeah, they, uh, and hopefully they'll bring it back next year. I know this year there were some, some difficulties, so they were doing some other things. So we'll keep an eye on that. You know, now, from the adult standpoint, we, we've done these casino parties a couple of times. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. And uh, yeah. other places. And, and those were always a lot of fun. They're very convenient, you know, having a hotel and you can have drinks and food and all of the environment is nice. My biggest complaint was the music. Um, they never played any music you could actually dance to. And I'm sorry if you're a rap fan, but really loud rap yelled at me. Um, nah. It doesn't make me feel like getting up and dancing and having a yeah. good time. And well, it wasn't so even just, just rap it was music. Hard. There is some good rap music out there. The thing of it is, is it's more what they chose to play. Yeah. It didn't and make sense in a lot of cases for that kind of an event. And it wasn't yeah. fun. But the other parts were fun. You know, the people in costume. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is sometimes when you go to these casino parties, you can't wear a mask. Right. And so that kind of ruins some of mm-hmm. the fun. So. Um, there were other, other things that were geared specifically for costume contests. We've done a couple of those. And that was fun too. That was where it was centered around costuming. And that was fun. Do you remember that, Bill? 
that first year I'm, that I'm we, trying to you have a specific example. I don't remember doing okay. that. Um we went to a casino party. It was I don't remember I the think name it was of the, the Silver Legacy, maybe? Yeah, it was or Silver the Le- Eldorado. It was either Silver Legacy or Eldorado. But we went to the they we, you know, there were drink specials and we had fun. We were wearing our Star Wars costumes. So we went to the costume contest we and were, we won best group. And we were completely oddballs. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, the only space themed Star Wars themed <laughs> group I there. I totally remember that. Okay. Yeah. That we, won, so- we won best group. It was like, you know, it was fun. I think you were wearing your Gunji costume. Yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but Gunji hasn't been out in almost two years now, so we need to yeah. fix that one of these days. Yeah, well, none of my costumes have been out for over two yeah. years, and it's it's a bummer. And I miss but, doing uh, it. It's fun. So the other fun things that we've done for Halloween, we've done uh, all the different corn mazes. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's different corn mazes we've gone, been to that have been fun and exciting. Um, Suggestion: wear 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 your COVID mask when you go in the corn maze because yeah, there's dust flying everywhere. <laughs> The, um, yeah, I, no, I, I remember that the, the one in Reno I liked was I think it was Ferrari Farms. I, I think it was so. Like the car, yeah, and they that was, they were cool people mm-hmm. that run that place. They were really, they were really nice, and, and their corn maze was just amazing. I mean, I I still have a picture of it. You walked up, there was the sign and the orange moon behind it, and the corn maze. And it's like, yeah, this is Halloween. We mm-hmm. also got to do it at night during a full moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Fun. That's always been fun. <laughs> um, there's also uh, up in Vancouver, Washington. At the, uh, the Fort. Fort Vancouver, they had a candlelight tour yeah. and ghost yes, I stories, that. I love and that. that was fun too. And yeah. I don't know if they're still doing that this year. No, I, I, Bill, I you said they look like you know a lot of these events have kind of been a victim, I think, to the whole COVID shutdown. Yeah, and you know, working with a local chamber here and getting a car show back up this year and stuff, I can attest to the fact that it is hard to get the momentum back when you've stopped for two years. And I think that might be what's affecting some of these things. Well, that, that Vancouver, Fort Vancouver and uh, the officer's row, that was a really neat event. And I remember yeah. going into the fort and you visit the different um, buildings or structures. And like uh, the guy who was the person who was like the shopkeeper mm-hmm. for the dry goods, he would tell you stories and, and everybody carried candles and it was neat. It yeah, was yeah. really neat. Was that one was a lot of fun. I, I And they actually do stuff over the holiday. I do think they have some holiday activities there. And just check it out. You can look that up well, online. And Our cat's excited because it, it's her birthday on Halloween. Well, that's true. Yeah, so <laughs> she's, she is, she's, uh, she's giving her opinion. I don't know if the listeners can hear her. But she's she's running around our feet, meowing. So, you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, always, always open to everybody's opinion. But, yeah. But no, I I highly recommend Fort Vancouver because it's worth just checking out whether or not it's the holiday season. It's a neat setup. They've done a nice job on preserving it. Mm-hmm. A lot of history of the area. But yeah, if you can get one of these tours or something like that, it's a lot of fun. And it is something that's good for the whole family, too. So yeah. what else have we done? We've done private parties, you know, yep. where we just get together, yeah. have friends over. That's kind of nice. Um, I remember things like that it were more fun as I got older as a teenager, you know, because the idea of going trick-or-treating was like taboo. Um, yeah, now you just buy a bag of candy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, actually, I've seen big kids go out and I yeah, don't care. Right, right. I'm not going to deny them some candy. <laughs> you know, it's all right. Virtual trick-or-treating, I think that does take the <laughs> oh virtual that'd be bad yeah no <laughs> no we went we went out ha- one halloween night uh in our neighborhood with our lightsabers and we're just walking just to have fun 
And um, some of the people invited us, come on over, have some candy with us. We're like, we're not really trick-or-treaters. We're a little bit old. And they like, no, come over and have candy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. so, yeah, and everything depends on where you are mm-hmm. and what what kind of things you have. I mean, in Reno here, we have the casinos. All of them have parties. Oh, um, we also did the store. The store in Newburgh. Oh, yeah. Where we, we oh, dressed yeah, up in Star Wars. What you're talking about is social goods in Newburgh. And that is, it's a neat place anyway. But yeah, th- that was our Star Wars thing. I know they were talking about doing something this year, but I'm not sure if it came off. And I don't know what Newburgh's doing. I haven't heard anything. But the thing of it is, is yeah, that was a lot of fun. We might have to call them and see if we can do something there next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway. So let us know what you're doing for Halloween. Send your pictures. We'd love send to your see pictures. Them. Yeah, send yeah. your costume pictures. Even if you, if it's just you and your kids. Hey, that works. You know what? This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Just getting to the end of our show this week and interesting discussion there about past Halloweens. And right now, looking for things on television is a big part of that. I'm hoping this is tele- or Halloween related the way I just entered it. it School it, it for is. Good and Evil. <laughs> yeah, the School for Good and Evil. It's on Netflix. And, I, I, you know, it's sort of Halloween-ish, but not exactly you know, forced. It's not like you're stuck in the Halloween um, thing. It's more of a fairy tale thing. Yeah. But um, basically it's, it's a, a, an adaptation of a series of books by, um, well, I cannot, I cannot pronounce her name. Saman Chainis, Chainini. I don't know. Um, but it, it's basically, she wrote a, a series of books. There's six of them. Uh, Netflix adapted uh, one to make a movie. And, um, it's basically Sophie and Agatha find themselves find their friendship tested at a school for fantasy characters, and, <laughs> and so but but it's actually really kind of fun. It is. It, it was is fun. really. I, I was able to watch it and not know exactly what was going to happen next because for some reason I seem to know plot lines real easy, and, and I, I enjoy it when they surprise me. And well, it might have this, something to do with you being a writer and knowing how that works, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, and, and another thing I'd like to say is that it's visually stunning. The mm-hmm. acting was pretty darn good. It was. And the storytelling was good. Mm-hmm. So it's a really kind of fun thing to watch. Yeah, and I, I always look for the special effects and the makeup and all the other the oh, stuff. Yeah. Like the costuming was really nice. The special effects were pretty good. Uh, all the all the other stuff in there that I that I look for, it was all well done. I mean, it's Netflix, so it's not going to be like, hey, well, is that is that part of a green screen over there? <laughs> no. you know, so sometimes, it, you know, it's yeah, just, just no. right, so is this one for the kids or is it? Still- yeah, I would say okay. it's definitely one for the kids. Um, not little kids. More, it's I think it's more geared for what I'd say is teenage PG thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's good fun, and it's good fun for even adults. You know, yeah. just because you're a grown up doesn't mean you can't watch cartoons. Okay, no, that totally <laughs> totally makes sense. So yes, I would have to agree with you there one hundred percent. I've been noticing I've been doing that a little bit lately myself. So no, that sounds that sounds really good. All right, so School for Good and Evil on Netflix. 
Mm-hmm. And speaking of Netflix, they have put out their plan to stop us from being able to share our passwords. No, no. And a little bit later this year, we're going to be diving into that and a lot of other things, uh, quite a bit of detail on how this is all going. Plus their ad supported tier, which I'm not sure I'm that terribly excited about, but a lot of people seem to be. So, you know, we'll see where that ends up going. But for right now, enjoy it. You still can without commercials. Yeah. <laughs> and at the moment, you can still share your password. So uh, onward and upward as they are. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.